You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Hallett. Hello, Oiler fans. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Before we get into the Oilers talk, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all of the action now with DraftKings. The leader in one-day fantasy sports, DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code word THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup and baseball fans. You may have missed out on a season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all of the Daily Fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for the players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now, download the DraftKings app, and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code word THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only with DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And to all of you listening to this podcast, congratulations. You woke up Tuesday morning. Your team is going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They defeat the Vancouver Canucks 5-3 to on Monday night. They punch their ticket. Something that stood out to me against the Canucks on a Monday, Connor McDavid. I don't know what else we can really say about him at this point. The guy's got 91 points in 50 games this year. It blows my mind to think about what he would be doing in a full 82-game schedule. He's just He's quite simply the best player on the planet, and there's really no denying it. There's not really much he can't do. Like, he's just such a good player, and uh, we're all witnesses to that right now. It's fun to watch, but he's really helping out guys on his team. Of course, Leon Dreisaitl, a couple helpers, playing alongside him last night in Vancouver. Yossi Pogliarvi with a goal and an assist, and we got to talk about Yossi Pogliarvi for a little bit here. 13 goals on the season, matching the number on his sweater. Maybe he should have kept number 98, then maybe he'd have 98 goals this year. Unlikely, but I digress. That guy has been such a good story this year. A year ago, we didn't even know if he was going to want to play with the Edmonton Oilers. To me, that was crazy. I thought this guy, top six winger, could potentially be playing with Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. I'm sure Ken Holland knew that as well because he did not budge when it came to the trade requests. JP changes his mind, comes to Edmonton, works his way up, and now looks like a great fit on that top line with Connor McDavid. And I don't think there's going to be anything changing there. And I don't know if you guys saw on the broadcast last night they panned over to the bench jb Connor mcdavid sitting beside each other james neal skates by says something they have a good laugh it was just a wholesome moment and i know how much jp is beloved in this city so it's great to see that he's starting to have some success on that top line and really really makes me optimistic for the future going forward what could be going into the next couple years here if it's a full 82 game season i mean it's safe to say he's going to get 20 goals maybe more, get on a little bit of a heater and things could happen. But the future is bright for Yessi Pugliarvi and Connor McDavid. Maybe we start to see Leon Dreisettle center that second line, but holy cow, the success they have when those three play together, 
quite fun to watch. We should say this was an undermanned Vancouver Canucks hockey team. They had a lot of issues on and off the ice and uh, did the best they could out there, put the best team together. But obviously the Oilers just overpowering them on Monday night, picking up the 5-3 victory. These two teams meeting once again on Tuesday. It's another 8 o'clock puck drop if you are in the Edmonton region, and if you want some pregame coverage, 6 o'clock on TSN 1260, Tom Gazzola and myself will have you covered. These two teams meeting once again on Thursday and then again on Saturday. So if you like Oilers and Canucks, good news. You're going to see a lot of it. Some more good news. We've got a great show coming up for you here on the Other Connor Podcast. We're going to talk to Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide, of course, writes at The Athletic as well. TSN 1260, 10 a.m. till noon, Monday through Fridays, where you can hear him. We'll also be joined by Kevin Woodley of Ingle Magazine and NHL.com. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers signing 2019 third-round pick Ilya Konovalov to a two-year entry-level deal. He spent the last four years in the KHL with Locomotive this season, a 9-7-2 record with a 2.29 goals against average and .923 save percentage. So we'll get Kevin Woodley's thoughts on the young Oilers prospect, and we'll also be joined by Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation, as always, on our Tuesday edition of the podcast. He drops by for some great daily fantasy sports advice. My advice, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, must-ads for the rest of the week. Of course, they play the Canucks three more times. I think they're going to put up some points. But let's get right into the interviews. Alan Mitchell joins me now. He, of course, the host of the Lowdown with Low Tide, which you can hear Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon on TSN 1260. You can also get his writing at The Athletic. Al, thanks a lot for doing this. How are you doing? I'm very well. It was uh, it was a fun evening, and uh, it's spring, so I'm happy. Yeah, everything's great. Like, the Oilers punching their ticket to the NHL playoffs. And before we get into the game against the Vancouver Canucks, uh, I, I want to just talk about Connor McDavid. He's at 31 goals on the season. He's got 60 assists, 91 points. I mean, pretty safe to say he's likely going to get to 100. I'm knocking on wood. I don't want to be that guy who jinxes it. But I remember back in the day, around 2005, Ladanian Tomlinson was probably the best running back in the NFL, and Marty Schottenheimer, the coach at the time, said he just had ran out of words to describe the type of player that he was. You've seen a lot of very good hockey players in your time. you got to see Mario and Wayne in their primes. Can Connor McDavid be the best? Like, what he's doing right now and, and how strong the game is it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And it's also, um, you know, the thing that McDavid does is he combines several, like, ultra-uber-elite talents. He's so fast, and yet his brain can stay with his feet, and he can stick-handle as well. And he passes and he shoots and he anticipates. Everything is at breakneck speed, and he's... McDavid has something that that, that Bobby Orr had, uh, and and Gila Fleur had, and, and uh, certainly Gretzky did too, and Mario, in that he can embarrass really good NHL players, and and you can tell he can do that because of the way the respect they treat him with. When the puck turns over, or uh, it's a a fifty fifty puck, the defenseman will just start you know receding, and you know. It, it, the players on the ice who are of the opposition react differently when McDavid is on the ice. And to me, that's the biggest reflection of how great he is. They're aware of all all the time that he's on the ice because they don't want to be embarrassed. 
And you know the element that I think he's he's really added throughout his career is that shot, and it's not just uh, you know what we've seen in the past where he drives the net, gets in tight. Like he's starting to take these shots by the faceoff circles, and they're getting past goalies. And just something that he's worked on and added to his game. Is there anything he needs to improve on, Al? <laughs> well, I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the thing now is for him to sustain it as long as he can because he's a special player and this is his sixth year and look he's he's the fastest he's the quickest thinker he's the most creative he does have a great shot uh you know he, he'll i don't think there's much doubt he's going to get robbed of a chance to, to play in 82 games this year but i don't think there's any doubt he'll score 50 eventually uh, he is uh, always trying to get better he's clearly focused on uh conditioning and the kinds of things that will give him extra years uh, at the end, other end of his peak part of his career. So, I, I, I mean, I, I always love it when people say, well, he could check better. Well, he's in the offensive zone, what, 60% of the time? So, you know, the game has a tendency to, to follow him around, as does the puck. So, uh, I, I, think, I think his big thing early was staying healthy. Uh, the, the one end of the season injury that he had with uh, Giordano, uh, I think probably made him a, a little less reckless. Not that he was before, but he's going so fast. But I, I would suggest that that McDavid, tools wise, is is the greatest player ever. He just has to put in the seasons of excellence so that he can, uh, you know, put up the numbers that we can associate with being the greatest ever. Yes, he pulled scoring his thirteenth goal of the season, playing on a line with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Has he impressed you? I mean, because I think we all knew when he was drafted, he obviously had the the skill set to be a a top liner, a top six guy in the NHL. But playing with Connor McDavid, I think you have to think the game to a certain extent. Has he impressed you in that aspect of his game? Yeah, he has, and I think he's more. I think he could do all the things he's doing now. It's just that he, you know, when you're young, your your mind is racing, and you think the NHL is is this ultimate league, and you've got to do everything perfectly. He he, you know, he'll send Aaron passes now, but his coach isn't going to you know send him to the bench when he does, and he turns over a ton of pucks for McDavid. Uh, you know, the 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 goal that McDavid scored uh, for his thirtieth. I don't know why Pugliarvi didn't get an assist, but he turned over that puck. And and that's what he's really good at. He he's he makes mischief. There are passes that that don't get through because of him, and then they turn over and they head the other direction. He's an excellent forechecker. He's got the wingspan of a condor. And when when he was when he was playing with McDavid before this year, I think I think there was a sense that uh, Pugliarvi was you know had the tools, but but couldn't think the game at that level and and I, I never thought that because I number one I don't think hockey's that difficult but but secondly you know he played bandy and other sports and and a lot of this stuff is just reaction and his reactions are so good for a big man and his hands are so good for a big man it's great to see but I I'm I'm not so much surprised at his skills I I'm thrilled that he's the the game has slowed down for him uh, we are talking Monday night, immediately following the Oilers' 5-3 win over the Vancouver Canucks, where they did clinch their playoff spot. I think we both probably expected that they would have made the playoffs. Uh, at some point this season, they would have clinched and locked it down. Uh, well, what did you make of the game against the Vancouver Canucks and a kind of a shorthanded Canucks team? Well, I, I think going in, you thought they would win. 
uh, and they did. Uh, Vancouver hung with them. I'll give Vancouver credit, as always. They're they're a, a team that that even when they're they're shorthanded, they'll give you their best effort, and they're a they're a tough physical team, but they also have a, a great deal of skill. Um, it was not an easy game. I like that. The, that's important. The Oilers can't play you know seven games in a row that are duds, and and Vancouver may start to drift a little bit now that they're you know they can't make the playoffs and and they're running out of players uh and they have a bunch of guys that they've called up again i guess to uh Jonah Gadjevic who'll play a little later uh in the week so they're they're getting to the end of the string but i i give them credit and i think it is good for the Oilers to play tough opponents Calgary played well Saturday Vancouver played well on Monday those are good things what did you make of Jujar Kara and his return to the lineup well, he looked, you know, he looked like a guy who had been coming off a, uh, a concussion and then another uh, concussion. He made a, a poor play on the first goal against, and and you know he's he's had such a good year doing that that it, it was frustrating to see because he two years ago he made that that exact play often. So from that point of view, it was tough. But you know, he has his legs. He skated well. Um, I. I I think they want to get him into the lineup because they want to use him in the playoffs. He got ended up getting an assist. He did play, uh, a, a, I think he played about a minute shorthanded, and he, he like hit five guys. He he did some things. Uh, so I like that part of it. But I, I, you know, anybody who says, well, maybe he could have gotten another day's rest, maybe. But but he looked a little uh, he looked a little rusty out there too. Al. For the Edmonton Oilers off the ice today, Ilya Konovalov, a uh, former third-round pick back in 2018, I believe. When you look at this Oilers team and, and the prospects they have between the pipes, obviously you know, he is one guy that comes to mind, uh, Stuart Skinner down at the Condors. If I were to ask you about the future of the position for the Oilers, maybe three years down the road, is the starting goalie on their roster right now, or sorry, in the system? Probably not, and and I'll I'll, I'll say this: it, it's a, a bit of a crapshoot with goaltenders. I like Konovalov. Uh, he's he's undersized, though. He'd be um, he'd be like uh, Manny Legacy uh, for Ken Holland. He's he's played uh, those goalies before as starters, but it's rare. Um, maybe Osgood as well, but he's a good goaltender. He's probably a better goaltender than uh, than most of the other guys in the system. He's a little older too, so he'd be a he'd be a good prospect. I know they like Skinner, and he's having a good year. And I know they like Rodrigue, and and he's sort of been left behind, but he's got time. The, the one thing that I will say, and this is just me talking, if I'm the Oilers, I, I look at the, the kid playing for the Oil Kings right now, uh, Sebastian Cosa. I don't know that he'll be around when they draft in the first round, but he's a giant. And if you want to uh, address goaltending via the draft, he might be a really good candidate for the Oilers. The Oil Kings have uh, generated good goaltenders in uh, Brassois and Jari. Kosa uh, coming through the system, too. I think he's a really, really good prospect, and he's a guy I, I imagine, anyway, the Oilers would have their eyes on. I will tell you this. I, I had uh, Kevin Woodley on the podcast. Uh, well, he's on this edition of the podcast, actually. We'll get to him later on. And he thinks that he'll be around whenever the Oilers pick. I'll tell you that. Really? So he thinks the Oilers could have a shot at him. But I can't tell you much more because, you know, I want people to keep on listening. You understand, right, now. <laughs> uh, if I were to tell you this, uh, let's just say Connor McDavid gets to the 100-point mark uh, with a couple games left for the Oilers and, you know, standings aren't going to be altered. Could you see them resting players? 
I can. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about you know Drysaddle, McDavid, Nurse. Um, a lot of a lot of those guys are are they like to play, and and so I, I think the option would be would be there for them. Put it that way. But I, I also think that they're. Um, I remember Henrik Sedin said years and years ago. He said, you know, we're we're tuning up. We're getting ready. We're in the lineup because we want to be. And I and I think. I, I think rest is something maybe you look at, but if you're not if you're not banged up, if you feel good, I think they'll probably stay in the lineup. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I think too. And I mean, you want to be going full speed when you get into the playoffs, right? Not backing in. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Al. I'm so fired up about this one. Now, looking at their potential opponents in the first round now, since it is officially locked in, the Oilers are going to the playoffs. Uh, the Jets, the Canadians currently tied right now. The Jets losers of seven straight. And I think some Oiler fans might say, that's not really a good thing because you wanted to see the Jets. And if the Canadians pass them, it might be a bit of a tougher matchup. Do you buy into that? Like, do you think that the Canadians would be a tough matchup for the Oilers in the first round? I think that'd be tougher than Winnipeg for a couple of reasons. Number one, Winnipeg lost, uh, Nick Ehlers. And they also didn't get a, uh, a defenseman at the deadline. But, you know, Winnipeg's a strong team too, and and you there's a it's a little bit of a crapshoot in the playoffs. You can you can get unlucky and lose a game, and and uh, you know win three of the other you know six and still lose the series. So nobody's easy. Montreal is a tougher team physically, and and uh, you know they have their young centers, uh, specifically Suzuki uh, right now anyway, and then the veteran Daniel. They do give Montreal fits. Or, I'm sorry, give Edmonton fits, and and Petrie and Weber are are uh, tough defensemen too. So they're they're a little different team. But if you're going to advance in the playoffs, then you have to beat you know good quality teams. And and right now, Winnipeg doesn't look like one, but they they're better than they're showing. Put it that way. Al, one last question for you before I let you go. Here, the Oilers now have six games remaining on the schedule. Does Evan Bouchard get any action? I think he should. I don't know that he will. Uh, Slater Cuckoo is. Uh, getting close, and I think they'll, you know, they'll probably have Russell and Cuckoo maybe at least with him or ahead of him on the depth chart. But he hasn't played since March 1st, and I think it would be wildly unfair uh, to, to force him in the lineup in the playoffs if you don't play him a little bit uh, in, in these regular season games. That As of tonight, as of them winning uh, Monday night, uh, it, you know, they're not as important. The Oilers have made the playoffs. So the, the the rest of the season is not as important as the, the first 50 games. Al, thanks a lot for staying up and doing this. Really appreciate it. No, I got my Winnie the Pooh pajamas on, and I'm jumping <laughs> into bed right now. So. I can't keep you any longer. Thanks, Al. All right, bud. Great stuff from Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide, which you can hear on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon. You can also get his writing at The Athletic. And as usual, Al brings it. He brings the positivity. He's realistic. And uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, now that they've locked up that playoff spot, Good things coming, and now we just wait and see who's it going to be, Winnipeg or the Montreal Canadiens. For the Edmonton Oilers, they made a signing today, bringing in someone from their 2019 draft class, a third-round pick. He's a goaltender, so we got to bring in somebody special to talk about that one and, and get his thoughts on the goaltender as well as the current Oilers goaltending situation. I talked to Kevin Woodley earlier today. Let's get to that conversation right now. We now bring in Kevin Woodley of Ingoal Magazine and NHL.com. Of course, the news on Monday, the Oilers signing goaltender Ilya Konovalov to a two-year entry-level contract. He was a 2019 third-round pick coming off his fourth season in the KHL. Kevin, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. 
Glad you could make some time to hop on the podcast here. And uh, what do you see from this goaltender? 22 years old, four years in the KHL, Ilya Konovalova. What's the scouting report on him from what you've seen and heard? Well, you know, I've talked to some people that uh, are pretty dialed in on Russian goaltending. Um, you know, kind of ever since the Oilers picked them, try and get some more information. And the one thing that came back was, you know, questions about the ceiling based on height and the fact that he's six feet tall. Like, did that limit, you know, sort of the upside here? And so, and yet I would I would counter with that um, a guy like UC Saros, who's arguably having a Vezina Trophy caliber season. You know, I'm five foot ten right now. So, um, you know, to, to me, that's you know, that's a conversation actually, Connor. That's shifting in the National Hockey League, and you know, not not to speak specifically on this player, but you know, like there's to me, there's a perfect. If there was a perfect height, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, it's probably six two, maybe six three. And the reality is, on either side of that, you have to overcome your size, whether you're two or three inches smaller, or if you're two or three inches bigger. The difference is the guys who are two or three inches bigger get chance after chance, and the guys who are smaller you know, often don't get as long a look. So I don't think that playing at six foot is a problem in the NHL. I mean, we're looking at a league where Jonathan Bernier is having a hell of a season, and he probably wouldn't have been drafted if this was his draft year at five foot eleven. So I don't see it as as big an impediment as others do. And watching some footage on him and, and talking – you know, to some of those same people that, you know, again, they may have questions about the upside based on size. They like the package in terms of skill. Um, and when you watch him play, um, he's quick. He's a great skater. He's a little active, but not out of control. So he's really quick to position. And like a lot of Russian goaltenders right now, you could argue that he's technically ahead of the curve. Like his post play is very up-to-date, very modern. Um, you'll see a lot of what we call double seals where there's a skate. Even at six foot, he can go double seal where plays behind the net and he's got a skate on each post and the pad's sort of straight across, taking away the whole bottom of the net and able to sort of rotate back and forth depending on which side the puck goes to and still sort of shift post to post and then explode up off it. So when you look at that skill set, that technical game, um, there's a lot to like. Uh, one of the biggest challenges usually for Russian goaltenders coming over is you know, the smaller rink, the more direct play. I think that type of technical package around the post helps uh, in terms of guys trying to you know, shoot and jam and create plays from all kinds of angles, which you don't see over there. But he's got the skill set to deal with it, the technical game to deal with it. The other big one is uh, traffic. And that will probably be an adjustment. What I liked in the footage I saw is for a smaller goaltender, he seemed to really understand um, how to find lanes. And again, Russian hockey, the lanes aren't as hard to find because there's not as much traffic. But even when there were guys in front of him, he seemed to, from a narrow, upright stance, be good at finding you know, views and, and sight lines on pucks over shoulders rather than getting himself locked in low and wide where he's having to look around bodies, which we've seen in the NHL these days, um, you know, frankly, just doesn't work. Even if you're a tall goaltender, some of the guys that have struggled that, even a guy like Carey Price at 6'3", um, has really struggled with that in the past couple of years, you know, screens and trying to look around guys rather than look over them. So, uh, listen, there's, you know, he's got the experience. There's a lot to like technically, um, and a lot to like in terms of the speed with which he plays and with which he moves. 
and yet it's all under control. So there's a lot of potential here, and I'm excited to see that transition for him over to North America. So I know there's no perfect uh, timeline or perfect way to do this, but what do you think is next for Konovalov? Is it a short stint in the AHL, maybe a couple of years? What do you think the the plan will be for him? Well, I think it'll it'll be the American Hockey League, you know, I would think without question. Um, you know, obviously, hopefully next year we're back to a regular preseason and anything could happen if you make a good enough impression. But um, the typically, and we've seen this even with some really high pedigree guys um, coming over, like Shosterkin last year needing a, you know the half season in the American Hockey League, even though he was excellent the whole time, they felt like that spending that time down there was beneficial. Um, you know, Sorokin didn't have the benefit of that this year, be, you know, because of just the, the situation and the way the year was. It was kind of trial by fire with the Islanders, and he's gotten better as he goes. But I, I still, I kind of envision it being a start in the AHL. And, and then, to be honest with you, Connor, kind of depends how he adjusts. Like, if it's super fast and he has no problems with it and looks like he's ready to move up, you, you'll find a place for him. But the expectation, I think, going into it is, you probably can't count on it, and you would certainly rather err on the side of knowing you have a full season of him in the AHL without any pressure that he has to move up. Um, and then if he does, it's a bonus versus, you know, like the Islanders were kind of in a tough spot this year or could have been in a tough spot because they were kind of counting on Sorokin to move up. And I know internally, you know, they weren't always convinced that it was going to be, you know, the clear path that it, that it necessarily became for them. So, Kevin, in your opinion, I mean, just looking at the Oilers next year, and we'll jump jump ahead, I mean, is is Mike Smith, would you have faith in him to stick around for another season going into next year? And does Stuart Skinner get, get the call to be the backup full-time? Or what do you think happens with the goaltending situation? Well, I mean, I think the reality is Miko, after a tough start when he was overplayed, has been really, he's been pretty good of late. And his season on a whole has kind of trended in the right direction. I also think there's probably not enough there um, from him that you're able to move that contract, frankly, right? So you've got him coming back next year for another year, I would think. I'd be honest with you, like when I watch Mike Smith, uh, I know he's been really loath to talk about the changes he made in the offseason um, and to talk about the adjustments that he's made in his game. And when he says he's the same old Mike Smith, he's right. Like he still plays super deep. He plays on his post the same way. Like, a lot of the elements of his game are the same. But there are other elements in terms of his recoveries, his ability to stay over his knees and, you know, not get extended and, and, and sort of stretched out and end up in prone positions, especially early in sequences, that when I watch that, when I talk to the people, the trainer and Adam Francilia that did the work, the goalie coach and Dustin Schwartz that – I really think the first three weeks for him, as much as the injury was not what anyone wanted, allowed him to get comfortable with those changes with Schwartz. When I look at those things, Connor, I, I, like, I see repeatable elements. I don't see this as, a, wow, Mike Smith at age 39 is just having a great season and it's a blip. Um, you know, I see elements in his game that can be sustained. And so, yeah, like when you factor in the comfort level that Dave Tippett clearly has in him, uh, when you factor in the importance he plays in that Oilers locker room, you know, that is full of stars that aren't necessarily vocal, that, you know, it's a pretty quiet group from my understanding, especially amongst the high-end players. Like, there's a reason Dave Tippett doesn't want to give him nights off even as the backup because they need him. He's part of a big presence in that room. 
And I guess the only question is, what does it cost? Um, depending on you know that not being too astronomical in terms of the cap hit, I absolutely would consider bringing Mike Smith back, even with some of the options. When you think of what some of the options are going to cost you in free agency and some of the uncertainty they come with in terms of how do they fit our team, uh, how do they fit our structure, uh, there's a devil you know quantity in Mike Smith, and there's a lot to like in how he's played this year. And a lot of that are things that, like I said at the beginning, I, I don't think they're blips. I don't think this is a one-year run. Um, I want to say fountain of youth, uh, but there are elements that he's discovered or has managed to put into his game that I think are just going to continue to get easier for him. And, and the Oilers defend better. Like, that's part of this too, right? So, um, I, to me, you know, as, as much as that was a decision to bring him back on one year this year that was widely questioned, um, I would have trouble questioning if they did it again. Because I think Skinner, too, you know, probably another year, and maybe, you know, if you, have, if you can afford the luxury of having him down there another year and having him be an option when Miko's contract expires, and depending on how next year's goes with both him and, and, and um, uh, the, the, the kid they signed today, I'm not, you're, you've got his name down, Pat. I butcher it every time I try <laughs> and pronounce it, so I'll leave that to you, Connor. But between those two, like, if you develop options for maybe midway through the season if things change, if there's injuries or options for the following season, like, that's a pretty good pass. The only thing it doesn't leave you with two years from now, maybe, is a bona fide number one if Mike Smith's only a one-year extension. And if, you know, father time is undefeated, right, he'll be 40 next year. So, you know, what's your option two years from now? That's going to be the only part of that equation next year that has a little bit of uncertainty in it. Ilya Konovalov. See, I, I had to work on that because I butchered so many names in the past. Like, this one is on the lower end of difficulty for me, so I figure if I can get that down... Uh, I get some some uh, good grace in that one. Uh, just one gl- final question for you, because I know there's a lot of Oiler fans that listen to this podcast and based in the Edmonton area. Sebastian Costa, goaltender for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, have you got a chance to see him play at all? And, and do you have any, maybe just a, a guess of where he might go in the NHL draft? I haven't had a chance. I don't, I, you know me, Connor. I don't like to blow smoke on this stuff. Like I don't like to sort of talk out of my butt here. And I have not had a chance to watch him uh, as much as I would like, I find it, especially in a condensed season like this, it's just, it's hard enough to keep up with the National Hockey League guys. I haven't, we're so far from the draft, I haven't had a chance to dig in. And obviously with no live games, it's not like he's, like there was no opportunity to watch him come through Vancouver and play yeah. against the Giants. So, um, yeah, but I have dug in a little bit and I've had some questions and asked some questions myself. I mean, the first one was I, I couldn't figure out, um, you know, why he wasn't a part of the World Junior at least camp. That one still leaves me scratching my head. And the second one, you know, that I think is a fair question is, and we talk about this a lot on the show, is, you know, where, how much of it, because his numbers are off the charts, and he looks good. Where, though, are those numbers? How much of that number is his team, and how much of that number is him? Um, You know, like, what's, you know, that's a pretty good team, as I understand it. Where's the what's the shot quality he's dealing with on a nightly basis. So I grain of salt the raw numbers, and I haven't seen enough of the footage to tell you, you know, where he where he would rank in terms of some of the top-end guys we've seen over the past couple of years. But certainly you're starting to hear that buzz about first-round pick. You know, I talked earlier about size. 
Um, and as much as Konovalov, you know, doesn't check that box and slides, clearly Costa does. And even if they're, you know, if we have more and more teams sort of recognizing that six three might be perfect, they all love six six. And he checks that box. And there's a lot of good things about his game. I'm just not sure enough questions have been answered, you know, in totality in terms of like again what the ceiling is. Where does this project? Um, and so yeah, like not to sit on the fence, you know, on this one on you, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a first round pick. I've had some other people suggest to me that he's probably more of a second round guy. Um, but it seems like there's enough buzz, enough hype this year uh, that he's, you know, he'll pro- somebody's probably going to take a flyer on him earlier than that. And there's certainly enough tools there that, that he could make them look really smart for doing so. Oh, it's going to be something to follow as soon as we get into the spring. And uh, I know there's a lot of Edmonton hockey fans that will be following along very closely. Kevin, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, Connor. Thanks for having me on. Great stuff from Kevin Woodley of Ingoal Magazine and NHL.com. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at KevinIsInGoal. And we really appreciate the breakdown of Ilya Konovalov, a 2019 third-round pick by the Edmonton Oilers, spending the last four years in the KHL. Obviously tough to get a real good breakdown, but uh, we got to go to Kevin Woodley for that one because uh, he's the best in the business, and we appreciate him making some time to join me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Let's wrap things up with a familiar guest to our show, Jeffrey Ulrich. Of course, he writes at DraftKings Nation. You can give him a follow at The Fantasy Grind, and we want to help you win some money on DraftKings. Jeffrey, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Yeah, just kind of winding down the regular season here. Still some some interesting playoff spots to determine, so happy to talk some hockey and other stuff. Yeah, glad to have you on again today, and we'll, we'll get to the Oilers because uh, I think if you're playing daily fantasy sports, these matchups with the Vancouver Canucks are going to be probably something you want to know about. But first things first, I do have to ask you about Mike Weir. Picks up the big win over the weekend, and uh, for those people who might have been interested, they could have got in on the action with Mike Weir and maybe made some money. It's true. Um, yeah, DraftKings started offering uh, some more offerings on the, the daily fantasy golf stuff. Obviously, the PGA is there, and we have European Tour Golf. We've had that for a few years, but you know they've recently added stuff like uh, the Champions Tour you can play on as well. Uh, you can LPGA is, is also on there. So there's multiple different offerings. Uh, if, if you're big into golf, you know, Brooke Henderson, Mike Weir, the real winners of Canadian golf. Not that big away from Corey Connors is playing great, too, but... Um, you know, they're, they're, it's out there every week. So if you're big into golf, uh, you, you obviously like to get out on, on the links in the summer. But when you come home, you can make uh, DraftKings lineups for all the different tours. <laughs> it's funny you mention that. I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that think, you know, I want to support a Canadian. Let's go for Corey Connors. Well, Mike Weir, Brooke Henderson, winning events. That might be the route to go down next time you're looking for some daily fantasy sports and uh, DraftKings golf. Uh, Jeff, obviously we want to talk a little bit about the Edmonton Oilers because it is an Oilers-based podcast. Uh, this week, a couple matchups against the Vancouver Canucks. Is this time where you just got to bite the bullet and pay up for McDavid and Dreisaitl? Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the Oilers have kind of been playing a little bit different hockey. I don't, I don't know if you'd call it like they've been more of a defensive team lately, but, you know, seven of the last nine games, now we've seen five goals or less scored in Oilers games, and that's just combined between, uh, you know, the, the two teams. So some of it's been, I think they've been a little bit more reliant. They've gone heavier with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the top line. And, and then, you know, it's kind of been like, you know, I, I don't want to say three shutdown lines, but it's almost like the, <laughs> everyone else is just holding the fort. Um, now it's been okay though for, for McDavid and Dreisaitl. Obviously we saw Dreisaitl get four points his last time out. McDavid is, is kind of on a tear still. 
So I, I think you do continue to play them. I'm a little bit worried, though. Like, we, we're, we might see, like, a, a dip or two uh, on the Oilers here. As, as obviously, we're getting four games with the Canucks. The Canucks are out of it. They're not a good defensive team, so the matchup is good. But, you know, the Oilers can clinch a playoff spot here early on, on Monday. If they do that, you wonder if they're going to take, like, uh, you know, I don't want to say game off, but I would just look for that. At the same time, there's not much bad I can say about this matchup. You know, I, I think you'll probably see Leon and Connor uh, go off at least once. So easy answer to your question is yes, you should just play them. Um, but, you know, you got to look at the whole slate. If, if there's someone else that's looking good uh, as well, then, you know, don't, don't just write off uh, – Every other play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And that, that's got to mean yeah. potentially some more points for uh, some of the other guys as well. And you mentioned they are playing a little bit more defensive hockey. But mm-hmm. do you look at Ryan McLeod, Kyler Yamamoto, Jesse Pugliarvi, any of those guys who might be cheaper options? Yeah, Paul Arby is definitely going to be interesting because if, if McDavid is going for like this 100-point barrier, and it certainly seems like he is, you know, MVP, obviously he also wants to get the Oilers in the best playoff position, go for the the win or whatever, um, you've got to figure, like, Pope Arby is obviously riding shotgun on the first line right now, and if that line stays together, there could be some big nights up there. So, again, I don't, I don't want to, like, talk, talk this down too much, but you're probably going to see this line explode in, in at least one of these four games. So, you know, we just saw uh, another four-game series go with the Devils and, and Philly, and Philly's is basically just as bad a defensive team as, as Vancouver, and they allowed 18 goals to the Devils. So, you know, when when you get a bad team like Vancouver playing Edmonton four in a row, you could definitely see some just barrages of goals here. So I like Pope Yarbe. Uh I, I think Ryan McLeod, you should watch his minutes, but definitely someone you can think about. I'm, I'm still interested in buying the dip on Kyler Yamamoto. I think he'd be my favorite sort of cheap oiler to target. you got to figure this Nugent-Hopkins kind of Yamamoto combo is going to break out one night too. So I think in terms of cheaper Oilers, uh, I, I would be looking at Kyler and potentially pairing him with uh, Nugent Hopkins. So you mentioned Connor McDavid, and I mean, the guy's playing just ridiculous hockey right now. He's on an absolute tear, and the big discussion is, will he get to 100 points? You're somebody mm-hmm. who, who watches point production and trends. He's got seven games remaining, five against the Canucks and two against the Montreal Canadiens. Do you think he gets to 100 points? Well, I'm, I mean, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen in these games, like I said, right? I mean, um, obviously, you know, the, the Canadians are a much better defensive team, although they're, they're, it's not like their goalies have been um, outstanding either. But, I mean, like you said, he's got seven games. He's got 87 points uh, starting on Monday here. It's, it's extremely doable. I mean, this, this is a player who obviously can explode for, for like four or five points in one game and, and get himself halfway there, basically. So, I think he is going to do it. I, I, I think he's, he's well aware of, of where he is and, and, and what the team's doing. And, you know, I mean, they, they've still got some, some motivation just in terms of where they are in the standings. Uh, I think that the Oilers have been out of the playoffs too long to just take their foot off the gas pedal as well, you know, proverbially speaking. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to get there. I really do. I think the five games against the Canucks are going to come at a great time. I think you're going to see him just go nuts in at least one of these games. And, uh yeah, I mean, the, the guy's the best hockey player in the world. I, I think he's definitely going to do it. Yeah, and I, I think you, you bring up a good point there. They they don't want to go into the playoffs losing games, right? So for the exactly. team's success, they need McDavid to put up points and, and go in there on a bit of a heater. Uh, Jeffrey, up at DraftKings, or DraftKingsNation.com, you've got your fantasy cheat sheet for the week. Uh, anyone you like going forward in the next couple games here? Any top-line stacks out there? Yeah, I mean, I definitely keep an eye on the Blues. Um, Blues have a, a pretty good matchup starting um, uh, starting Monday, excuse me, with the, with the Anaheim Ducks. 
their their top line just with Perron and, and, and Ryan O'Reilly. Been really impressed with them uh, this year. Uh, just like the both on a basically a point per game here, over a point per game production over the last ten games. A couple games against the Ducks. Uh, they also play them on Wednesday. Just a really good cost effective like mini stack you can roll out. Um, you know, the Blues aren't a good team this year, but they're playing the Ducks, and, and those two guys have been really good for fantasy. Typically on DraftKings, they're well under 7K, which just makes them really good, cost-effective. Um, and, and you can pair them with a guy like Justin Falk. The Blues, again, not a deep defensive team. So, you know, go, go back to that Alex Peter Angela move, you know, really kind of just scratching your head why they let him go. But Justin Falk is playing like 27 minutes a night for them right now because of injuries. Still a pretty good offensive player. Uh, regardless of if he sucks on defense, he's good for daily fantasy and he's cheap. So uh, I'd be looking at the Blues for a little offense. I'd also be looking to the Penguins. Um, they're taking on you know the Flyers starting Monday. Like I mentioned off the top, Flyers just allowed 18 goals to the Devils um, over the last four games. Penguins got two games with the Flyers this week. Uh, look for Crosby in that top line to get on track. Any teams, matchups you're looking to avoid in the next few days here? Minnesota and, and Vegas are, are playing each other. Um, I, I tend to kind of just avoid those those top teams in, in the West Division there when, when they take on each other. They're all pretty good defensive teams. They tend to play each other a little bit close, and it's just harder to predict, you know, which studs are, are, are going to go off. It, 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 oftentimes we'll see uh, one of the, the top two guys go off, but I like just staying away for daily fantasy when you've got guys like Pacioretty, Kirill Kapper's off. It's just kind of a tough matchup. Both teams have good defense, good goalies. I think that's one you just stay away from. Again, you've got so many weak teams right now. The Flyers are floating out there, the Ducks. All these teams that are basically playing for nothing. The Sabres are starting a fifth stringer in net. Go there. Go, go, go to teams like the Islanders, uh, you know, a guy like Anthony Bolivier uh, heating up, uh, Matthew Barzell. Go there instead of just you know, trying to, to figure out which one of these studs and these elite matchups are going to go off. Great advice there. I, I shied away from the Oilers a little bit too early. I wanted to ask you about Mike Smith. And, you know, I know going back to, to January, February, you and I were both a little bit unsure of the Oilers goaltending. But as of late or the last couple of months, really, Mike Smith's been playing great hockey. Is he somebody you look at to potentially start? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, it's like one of those things you're just so happy to be wrong about. You know, with, <laughs> with Mike Smith. I mean, uh, going back to the beginning of the year, I remember it was one of our first conversations, like you know, this goaltending situation was, you know, this, this could just sink the whole team. And Mike Smith, we've seen him play well uh, throughout his career. We've also seen him have pretty poor stretches. But 38, 39, I can't remember exactly how old he is. It's a really fantastic season he's had, uh, 0.924 save percentage. And I've, I've been loving playing him on DraftKings the last couple of weeks. He's under 8K most nights. He just doesn't get the respect that the other top-end goalies get because the Oilers, defensively, I just don't think rate out as well. And I think that the DraftKings formula just kind of takes that into consideration. So, But he's facing a lot of shots. Obviously stopped 29 out of 30 his last time out. So he's really like a really high-end um, DraftKings producer for uh, a solid price. Uh, he's a great target right now. And then he's got Vancouver, obviously, on the slate, who you know banged up. Obviously, the COVID stoppage is just not really a good offensive team. So Mike Smith is should be at the top of your list here this week. I'd also throw Tristan Jari out there. I mentioned the Penguins uh, taking on Philly. But Jari typically comes in, you know, kind of a similar story, just a little bit too cheap, and uh, he's really improved his play over the last month. So two of my favorite goalies to target here over the next week, especially in, in Smith and Jari. Now, Jeff, I got a couple of questions coming my way on Twitter. This comes from Jordan. He asks, just wondering... 
How do you strategize selecting high-priced wingers that aren't necessarily playing in the top six? Fiala, Toffoli, Tuck to a lesser extent. Would you generally shift away from line stacks and instead do more of a team power play stack than incorporating that player? Yeah, it's it's like a great question. Um, definitely you can look to power play stacks when you're doing big field tournaments. Um, power play stacks are obviously they're the, the plays aren't most for the most part when you're when you're targeting teams power play. You're sometimes going off the regular line stacks, so you're, you're losing some correlation. And, and you know the best case scenario, you want guys playing together as much as possible. But Fiala is a great example because he gets moved around the line. Sometimes he'll even play on the third line, but he he still gets a lot of shots on net. So you can pair Fiala sometimes with like a Jared Spurgeon there, who uh, is always out there for the power play uh, on defense as well. You can even pair him with one of the other wingers. But Fiala is also just a great you know, standalone play. I mean, he's a goal scorer. He's a guy who gets power play one time, and in weak matchups, you know, he'll 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 get five shots and, and a goal for you. So, um, those guys, players like that, Alex Tuck is another great example. You can even just play them as standalone plays if their if their price is down a little bit. You don't even have to worry about correlating because those guys have such good upside and can return such good um, value for their prices on their own. So, either just playing them on their own or going with like stacking them with like a power play defense, and that's generally how I tend to approach those guys. So Jordan follows that question up with, on the topic of stacking, how do you deal with a situation where you have a high-priced winger on a line with an underwhelming center who doesn't uh, point produce on a consistent basis? Victor Rask, Chandler Stevenson as examples. Uh, stack anyways and take the chance with playing that likely low-owned center and hope for production, or take the winger as a one-off and stack elsewhere? It, it kind of depends what the slate is offering, but I, I do tend to try and get away from those centers. Um, there's just not much upside, even though they're really cheap. You know, rats can sometimes be had at the minimum. And sometimes when they're at the minimum, you, you can definitely play them. But, you know, the, the name of the game is still we need points, right? So um, if there's a cheaper center out there or, or, or another cheap center out there, which just has a way better point production, then I think you can just, like, stack the wingers in those situations a lot of time. Or maybe even looking at the power play, you know, like, you know, doing the Pacioretty, um, Shea Theodore stack and, and instead of just going with that whole line or just playing Stone, who's a great playmaker on his own with Pacioretty. Uh, that's generally how I approach that Vegas line, especially. Uh, but I think in other cases, it, it, it's going to fit the same way. Uh, you don't always have to play the cheap center if he's just not doing much. Um, a lot of those guys are just kind of fillers, you know, good defensive players trying to facilitate. Sometimes they'll pick up assists, but their, their upside just really isn't big. So I tend to try and stay away from them when possible. But, you know, if there's not other good values out there, you can definitely go with the line stack. It's just kind of what's being offered. Always be looking for, you know, a, a guy who might be a good standalone play uh, at, a, at a cheap value as well, rather than just sort of settling for the min-price play who, who probably isn't going to get you, like, double-digit fantasy points, even on a good night. Great questions from uh, Jordan on Twitter. And, of course, if you've got any questions, uh, his Twitter handle, at the Fantasy Grind. Of course, I'm at Connor Halley. We can uh, make these questions happen and, and talk with them on the podcast here. One last one for you, Jeff. I really appreciate your time today. Mm-hmm. Just this year on a whole, has it been uh, more difficult or has it been a little bit easier with the matchups and consistently kind of you know knowing who guys are going up against with the same teams being played over and over again? Yeah, that's... It's a good question. Um, I, I think in, in most, a lot of circumstances, it's been a little bit easier to predict. Um, you just see the top players getting into like these really good runs that you know, they're playing the same weak teams, you know, over a two two week stretch. And you know, Nate McKinnon is a great example. He started slow, but over the last couple of months, it's just been so automatic to see him just out there 
five plus shots per goal per night, uh, you know, very consistent. I think the biggest thing to navigate this year has just been with the injuries and, and the COVID stoppages and things like that. I think it's been an easier from a matchup perspective and just knowing what the top players are going to do. It's been very much, you know, easy. You don't have to deal with much slumps. Like you said, the matchups don't change as much, but it's been more of just like looking to the line combos, who's playing where. That's kind of been the tough thing of this season. Um, the matchups and stuff, I think the smaller divisionals, uh, the, the smaller divisions, excuse me, and the, the, the smaller amount of matchups you have to deal with, that's always been making it easier. And I think it's made it uh, a lot easier, especially with the top players. Great stuff, Jeffrey. Thanks a lot for doing this today, and we'll talk to you next week. Anytime, man. Excellent stuff from Jeffrey Ulrich. Big thank you to him. Give him a follow on Twitter, at the Fantasy Grind. Also check out his work at DraftKings Nation. And that's going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Another edition in the books. Got to thank all of our guests, Alan Mitchell from the Lowdown with Low Tide, as well as Kevin Woolley of Ingle Magazine and NHL.com. For the Edmonton Oilers, they are back in action on Tuesday evening. Taking on the Vancouver Canucks once again, potentially another point night for McDavid and Dreisaitl. We will find out. Puck drop 8 o'clock if you're looking for some pregame coverage. Tom Gazzola and myself got you covered on TSN 1260 in Edmonton. Starting at 6 o'clock, the Oilers will take on the Canucks once again on Thursday and then again on Saturday. So plenty of Canucks-Oilers action coming up here in the next couple days. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here. I really do appreciate it. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.